Hello and welcome to another episode of 99 Problems But A Boss Ain't One, the podcast that tackles your freelance challenges one episode at a time. I'm one of your co-hosts, Katie Carlisle, and I'm a Squarespace web designer and trainer under the brand of Squarespace Queen. And my name's Michelle Pratt, owner of Dive Deeper Development, a personal development training and coaching business. And in this episode, we're going to look at collaborating or working with family and friends. So they say never to work with children or animals, but what about working with people that you've already got a relationship with? So we're going to look at the perks and pitfalls of mixing your work and your personal life. So Michelle, why is this a problem for freelancers? Okay, I think it's probably a, a problem for freelancers is because when you have a job and you're employed, um, your collaboration with colleagues, there's normally pretty good boundaries established. So there's a really clear line management structure and the systems in place to deal with anything that arises. And of course, um, you've got a HR function ultimately if there are any disputes or to handle some of the nitty gritty. Of course, when you're self-employed, you have to handle with all these tiny little details yourself and the boundaries aren't quite so clear, particularly when you're working with a partner or family or very close friends. It's not to say that you wouldn't have conflicts with your uh, colleagues in a business that where you're employed but I do think it's more pronounced when you're freelance as well of course if you are a freelancer you're probably more likely to work with people that you know people like to work with people that they know like and trust and of course this is great um, uh, but of course it does cause tension such as people asking for freebies reduced rates or just having expectations that haven't really been verbalized so it is fraught with difficulties as well as having the benefits as well uh, as well as the benefits, Katie, I mean, there are some plus sides, aren't there, to people working with people they know really well? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's good to look at that before we look at the problems. And so, you know, you might want to collaborate somebody either collaborate with someone either as a one-off project or in a more formal, long-term way, like going into business together. And I think there's loads of massive advantages, which is why people do it. Um, you get complementary skills being brought in. So, you know if you bring something to the equation and you've got a friend or family member who has complementary skills, then they can also bring something in and you can kind of double your impact without you having to learn this whole other chunk of, of, of you know information and knowledge yourself. And I think you can learn new skills from working with those other people as well. I think as well as bringing different skills, you can bring different perspectives and that can be really valuable. Although of course it can be a bit of a problem as well. But I think seeing things from different perspectives, identifying different opportunities, knowing different markets, all of that can actually strengthen your impact if you're working with someone else as a freelancer. Yeah. And we all know that freelancing can be a bit lonely sometimes as well. So it's actually just really nice to have someone to bounce ideas off about a particular business or project. Yeah. And the other thing, Kate, as well, isn't it, is that if you're going to run a business, it takes hard work. It takes a lot of yourself. And so I suppose a few things, really. One, you want to know you're working with someone you know and trust. And there is something pretty cool about creating a business with someone you know and love. It's a fun thing to do together. It's really fun. Really nice. Yeah. It's like a thing that you own together and it's great. And the other thing as well, you know the skills. So, yeah. Yeah, sure, you could collaborate with somebody else, but you know that person very well. You you know their quirks, you know their skill sets. So you know what you're getting, or at least you think you know what you're getting. Um, I, I mean, a <laughs> person's work persona is not the same as their... Um, 
per- how they are in their personal life. There are lots of people who I love dearly, but I would never want to have to manage with them or run a business with them. But <laughs> you do have that, that that certainty that you know. And of course, uh, if you are generating money, then you can keep the wealth and the business and the, uh, the personal development within the family or within the, the network, which is obviously a nice thing to do as well. Yeah, and actually you mentioned networks there, and that's another advantage to collaborating is that if you've each got your individual networks as freelancers, by working together, you can actually double your network and access each other's networks and kind of cross-pollinate, which is going to give you much more leverage in terms of marketing and spreading the word about what you're doing. I think the other thing is, I mean, the cuts the other thing is, if you're working with someone you know and love, the chances are they know your quirks and might be a little bit forgiving of your four boys, for foibles too. Can't say that word. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, that is a very nice way of looking at it as well. Yeah. Um, and like, I really liked what you said, but yeah, it's, it's about creating something together that you can be, can be proud of and actually if you're thinking about working with a partner and you've got kids then that's a really nice example to set to your kids to say like that you know it's a family business and something we've created together as a family so we've looked at some of the potential benefits so now let's get into the nitty-gritty so what what are some potential problems of working with friends and family yeah and i mentioned katie that you you might know the person well socially but even your intimate partner could be a very different person in the workplace so it's the always that the prospect i think katie that well two things really one you you cause tension and there are conflicts that maybe you hadn't anticipated and of course if it is someone known to you personally you can't leave that at work it follows you into the home and into your social circle as well so there's a little bit of that as well I think there's also a bit of um, a danger that you make assumptions like you just expect that this person knows you and that you know each other therefore some things might need could just go unspoken you might think I don't need to fuss over the details or be overly officious whereas um, as we know Katie you, it probably is best to get things down on paper so I think there might be some uh, unwritten contracts or psychological contracts and maybe we make assumptions that that's how we're going to work together as well and, and I think you also need to be really clear on people's agendas because you may have different reasons for going into the business so you might start something together but if one person's life changes their life change impacts on the business and therefore your income too and Katie one thing you haven't mentioned so far is that you run a business with your partner so uh, you, yes. you I mean you're probably in a better position to talk about some of the problems actually and that's not <laughs> an invite to start criticizing yeah, I... your partner right <laughs> no no especially because his mum is one of our listeners no, no, so I'm gonna have to be quite nice about him hi Inga <laughs> um, but yeah one of um one of the things that we found was just coming from different backgrounds it wasn't that we had different work ethics although that can in itself be a problem as well that you know if if you're somebody who is very much head down crack on with it and someone else is a bit more laissez-faire about doing work then that could be a massive source of conflict so knowing what your different work ethics are important i think roland and i both probably have a similar work ethic but we came from very different backgrounds so he was in the corporate world beforehand and I'd been freelance for probably about five years already before we set up a business together. And before that, I'd worked mainly in nonprofit and charity sectors in small sort of small organisations. And the most recent one with, that I'd been employed in was kind of run like a startup. So it was really, really different experience. And so what you don't realise is yeah, how different your tone is when you interact with people there and things like that. So one expectation that I had going into the business is that we would be professional with each other, but I felt that we'd still communicate with each other in a similar way. 
Whereas I think he very much had his work hat on. And so he would speak to me in the same way that he would have spoken to a colleague in his previous job. And and I struggled to handle that at first. And I was like, oh, like, I, I'm not just a colleague. Like, why are you talking to me in this really cold way? And he wasn't being cold. It was just, he was speaking to me differently. It's like you said about the work persona. He was speaking to me differently to how he would speak to me, his girlfriend. But he was speaking to me in exactly the same way as you would normally speak to a colleague. So that was a challenge at first because I thought he was being funny with me, but he wasn't. And so we had to have quite a few conversations at first just to kind of iron that out and kind of him slightly soften how he spoke to me and, and me kind of get just to that point where I was realising, yeah, it's not, he's not being weird with me. He's not got a weird tone of voice. He's just in work mindset. I think we had set really clear kind of goals and a clear scope at the beginning which helped but I think we both had different priorities so my he's a coder so he was all about like the functionality and with my background being in web design I wanted it to look pretty and not just pretty but you know I wanted it to look look right I wanted to be a good user experience and so we were both then fighting for our particular priorities to be the the thing that actually got more time spent on it you know I'd be saying oh can we just tweak this can we tweak this he'd be like oh that's fine but we need to get this code done I'm like oh that code's probably fine we don't need all of that stuff let's just get it out but let's focus on making it look good so we just had to do a lot of compromising to get to that point where you know we both felt like we were being listened to and we both felt like our priorities had been addressed I think the other thing was the, and it actually wasn't really a problem to be honest, and it still isn't. Um, so I just work part time on that business. Uh, he works full time on it. So I kind of trust him to just do a lot of the stuff and don't really ask him much about the code side of things because I wouldn't understand it anyway. So I just kind of trust that he's going to do that. But I think trust could be a massive problem in a partnership so if you don't really understand something if you're someone that needs to know everything and be in control of everything and you don't actually understand the, the other person's expertise that's going to be a challenge for you <laughs> so yeah. you have to just kind of accept I think that that's okay but we I quite enjoyed the fact that there wasn't a clear delineation between work time and personal time so like even now we'll have little meetings when we're walking the dogs I'll be like okay tell me what you're working on at the moment and he'll be like, oh, I've got, I'm stuck on this thing. Let's talk it through. And we'll talk about it when we're on holiday and stuff. And I found it really nice. I think it's quite romantic, um, which I know is a bit weird. But I think that could be another problem that if you're used to leaving your work behind at a certain point and then you're having a family meal or having dinner with someone and they want to talk about work and you don't, that's where you're going to have to set some clear yeah. boundaries. Yeah, it's interesting. I was going to ask you that, you know, what potential problem there between separating work life and home life. And I've been talking to people recently who have children and are working this kind of arrangement. And of course, it impacts their children too. So that communication is is a challenge. And I think a lot of what we've talked about here, Katie, comes down to values. So we've talked about expectations, but, um, you know, someone might value, you know, have a belief that you've got to spend money to make money, whereas other people, you know, some might want to be more 
prudent or a bit more financially conservative. Some people might have a you know a, a value or a belief that if, if a customer starts to be a bit you know um, challenging, that you lay down the law and just tell them to take a hike. Whereas someone else might actually say, no, come <laughs> on, we're, we're more about building bridges. So I think those values, and, and it's particularly around money, Katie. I think. Um, that's a really important one and it's quite often taboo so I think it's really important that you are really clear not just on what you want to achieve or how you're going to work but actually what your values are uh, as well and that kind of brings us on to this this uh, question really I, I suppose Katie I mean as we've mentioned on other episodes it's always better whether it's clients or friends or family to talk about these things before you work together and I think it's no good doing it I mean some things you won't know until you start working with a partner or family but ideally you want to get this done first so one of the things I was thinking like how you you and Roland had a business idea but how did you know it was the right thing to to do how did you know that that was a um, a good idea but also how did you what do you have to think about before you initiate that relationship? Yeah, well, it's interesting actually, because we had a sort of slightly circuitous path to the business that we currently run. So we had a lot of ideas, or rather I had a lot of ideas. (laughs) So I had various apps that I wanted us to try and make and a piece of software. So he decided to leave his permanent job. And we knew that we had um, a little bit of money to for him to not necessarily get any income for a little while and we were still deciding at that point do we go down the apps route or do we go down the more the kind of web software routes what so we'd kind of identified from all the ideas we had what we thought would be the top three in terms of most likely to succeed ease of getting them up and running a market that we already had a bit of access to potential customers things like that um, but actually one of my clients got in touch with me Um, literally a week after he'd handed in his notice saying I don't suppose you know anyone who's an app developer who would work for a reasonably small budget and be able to turn around in a really quick piece you know in a really quick turnaround I was like well it's funny you should mention that so we actually started off creating an app for for my client was a kind of partner app to some workshops that she was delivering and that was actually quite good way of starting in a way because the scope was largely determined by the client and so Roland and I were then delivering it and I had a relationship already with the client and so I I started off managing the interactions and that just fell naturally to me because I'd had the relationship with her but actually after she got to know Roland a bit more he then would start to liaise with her directly but I would sometimes come in just to kind of There'd be a couple of times where maybe I could understand her perspective on something and he was struggling to understand why she was asking for something so I could kind of give her that give that context to him on her behalf and vice versa translate his slightly more technical viewpoint into more human language so we actually started doing that which was great because it let us know how it works with apps and then another of my former clients uh, well actually a current client another of my um, clients got in touch and she wanted an app as well it was quite a simple one but it ended up actually being a bit of a headache in terms of getting it in the app store because it didn't have it it didn't have enough bells and whistles basically what she wanted to do so we had to sort of shoehorn a few other bits in to make it get into the app store and so that working on those two apps was actually what made us decide not to do apps because it was just working with apple um uh, just was a massive headache And so, and I think it was, it just made us realize how much was involved. 
and actually how how much time it took and how you know the fact that you're developing for android and iphone and everything else and so for that reason we decided to then start with the software idea which is basically a a plug-in a bit of you know a tool that allows you to add a directory to your website but we started off specifically doing Squarespace, doing it for Squarespace websites, because that's my world. I know it. I know the people in that world. I know I'd wanted to use that software. So I was kind of the test client for that because I wanted to use it for freelance folk, which is one of my side projects. It's a community for freelancers. And so I was sort of in the business and the client, which is quite an unusual setup. Yeah. So that, but that was really, really useful. Kind of all of that exploration. Yeah, and that's a good, that's a good use of your your networking, your skills as well. So, what sort of things do you think people should think about before they get to that point? Before they go into business together, is there anything you you should have prepared or have agreed at least? Yeah, I mean, we we did agree. Like, like that was something that we said. You know, from the off, I said I will leave you with the code. I trust you to make the decisions about the code, and I'm not going to interfere in terms of your decisions about what type of coding language to use and things like that but I will want impact input on the design so we were both both very clear about that to start with um so I think having a clear scope a clear division of labor knowing who's going to do what uh, it took me a little while to get used to his ways of working in terms of you know he wanted to be kind of head down focused where I'll just be like chat 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 so again establish if you're going to be working in the same physical space establish boundaries in terms of how how does each person want to work if one of you is chatty and one of you isn't then how are you going to give that the person who wants to just have that focus time how are you going to give them that time but how are you also going to then like get your needs met so sometimes we'd do it where I'd be on a you know I'd be like right okay um you're gonna do the focus stuff then I'm gonna have 10 minutes to just like chat (laughs) with you and then you'll go back to doing focus things I think like I mentioned the the way of doing the the kind of initial client project that we did the app we naturally fell to me being the client facing person but I think deciding in advance who's going to be client facing and if needed deciding if you need one of you to be the boss yeah I think that's a question I had does someone need to take charge it's not always necessary I suppose and it is a collaboration but I can also see in certain circumstances it might be beneficial to have someone know driving the work and giving the direction yeah and we did also do a lot of work on our values and what we wanted to you know be known for and things like that before we started and we worked with a a mentor um from our local business hub as well again doing some work kind of identifying what you know kind of writing a sort of informal business plan basically and i think that really helped as well because that then was something that we had we didn't particularly use it now because we sort of internalized what it stood for but it was things like we both agreed we wanted to be really strong on customer service and not that not just to be something that we said but something that was a real priority and actually identifying that value from the beginning made it easier because when we got to the point where we felt like we're ready to outsource something because it's getting you know the business is growing and it's getting a little bit much for it was getting too much for Roland to do all of the work. The first outsourcing that we did was the customer support. And that decision was made easier because we'd identified that as a business value early on. So I think the same exercises that you might do as a freelancer, when you start a business, make sure to do those, you know, because your freelance business values and their freelance business values might not be the same. So you do need to work out what are the values of the collaboration? 
what you know what are your priorities as a collaboration what do you stand for yeah because because there's something called commander's intent which is i forget who invented it now and it's just basically yeah what we what we here for and like you know the southwest airlines one i've mentioned before is you know we're number one for customer service and we are the budget airline for customer service so if a member of staff wants to make a decision then it has the question is you know does it increase our budget and the answer should be no and does it provide great customer service and the answer should be yes and as long as you can answer those two questions that's where you can make a decision and i can definitely see if you're working with someone uh, who's close to you having that sort of yes no checklist if you like or sense check makes it much easier and then you don't have to you know debate every answer it's very easy to d- resolve disputes because as you say you've got your priorities down and I like what you're saying about yeah. working with someone from a local growth hub or actually having a formal sit down strategy session because Katie I, I don't know how you feel about this but maybe you don't need contracts but it does feel like it is worth having some stuff written down I suppose so it's easier to go back to so when I work with managers working with new staff I always say look sit down with the with the person you're employing and ask them what do they expect from you and then tell them what you would they can expect from you in addition and then um, ask them then ask uh, ask them what can they expect from you and then add in what you expect from them and write it down and that seems overly formal but I just think if when it's down on paper if the relationship does break down it's much easier to go back to that 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 document or that agreement and say okay well we said at the beginning we were going to do this and actually what I'm experiencing is something different so let's just reset and just this just discuss it and that's much easier than turning around to someone going you don't do this you don't do that it's much easier to go back we said this is what we're doing let's explore that gap it's much nicer And, and a question I had there Katie was just while I was on my mind you were talking about Roland's coding skills a very specific set of skills we've done an episode on contingency planning or keeping the show on the road I mean you can't code the way that Roland codes. What happens if he gets COVID and is neurologically distressed for like six months? What happens there? Our friend Steve, who is a very excellent coder also, is has already said he's happy to jump in and Roland trusts him to be able to code to the same standard. And actually he's a better coder than Roland, according to <laughs> Roland. So I'm like, come on, Steve. Yeah, Roland's mysteriously unable to do the work. Yeah. So yeah, so... Uh, he and Steve actually talked about going into business together at one point. Um, so I'm just his sloppy second. But he will never admit to that. <laughs> but yeah, uh, so we, we have had that plan because I've that is something I was genuinely worried about was that like what happens if yeah you're not able to do it. And I think identifying what the kind of, maybe that, you know, what's the worst case scenario and what's the best case scenario. Because actually identifying what happens if it's successful is probably quite important too, especially if it's a side project for both of you then what happens if it actually takes off? Is it is it something that both of you would leave your other jobs to do and work full time on? Would you outsource it, to, you know, to other people? Like sometimes you can kind of create a bit of a monster. Yeah. And if you just want it to be something you work on a day or two a week and it's really successful, how will you feel about that? So I think identifying both ends of the spectrum yeah no, we talk about knowing your be. why and like you say you know you can scale a business but it's probably going to take less of your time doing the doing or doing the skill and it's probably going to not be as much fun potentially so I think like you say Katie you need to be ready for that what will you do at that point will you walk away will you sell up will you outsource yeah so many questions to think about but definitely worth thinking about before yeah. perhaps yeah, and like one of the things that we talked about at the beginning was with our software product was would we ever want investment? So um, there's a company called Memberspace. They do 
they basically make it really easy to add protected member area and member content on a website. We collaborated with them pretty early on because I'd used them for years. I had a bit of a relationship with them from being one of the early adopters of the tool. And so we reached out to them and we've now got an integration with them. And it's been they've been really supportive and they've been sharing tips around what they did in their early days and things. But one of the things they've done is they've got a lot of investment. And that's something that Roland and I had said at the beginning, we don't want to, we don't want investors. We'd rather grow the business more slowly and sustainably, but have full control over everything than be accountable to some, you know, Silicon Valley tech bro. Yeah. <laughs> as I believe the phrase is. And so that was again, something we'd identified at the start, which made it much easier because actually then the one of the chaps at Memberspace did say to us, look, I can introduce you to the guy that's done some investment with us. And I think he might, you know, he'd potentially be interested. And when you've actually got that carrot of money dangling there, you know, at that point, it would have been quite useful to have a cash injection. But because we'd already decided in advance, that's not what we want to do with the business. We were like, no, we'll leave it. And I'm, I'm really glad that we didn't. We've, you know, yeah, we're not making in millions but it's doing well it is growing slowly and organically and i think that's more in line with how we want to do it but we would probably consider selling it in the future that's something we said we would both yeah consider, it's good to know that um to the right people but just identifying yeah like again things like what what does the future hold and not even fully committing to it but just so you both know roughly that you're on the same page as well yeah and the final thing i'd say in terms of what to think about before you enter into a partnership is just from a really practical level. We've talked a lot about the kind of, you know, mindset and attitudes and stuff, but actually how are you going to track the work and the work, you know, the tasks that you both are going to do? Like, do you need a system? Do you need, you know, some software like Trello or Notion or some kind of task management tool that you use to collaborate on so you know where the other person's up to and you've got that accountability and you're tracking that shared project as well. Um, yeah. That was something that, that we did end up doing at the start. Now I'm less involved in the day-to-day. Roland just manages that himself and just updates me of where he's Yeah, I was chatting to a couple uh, this week, K2. I was coaching a couple who run a business together. And, you know, they currently keep their separate appointments uh, that they each, they both have clients, but they deal with different clients depending on the service. And uh, they both have physical diaries. So I was trying to uh, extol the virtues of maybe Google Calendar. It's free, it's easy, (laughs) it's, um, you know, that it's cheap, you know, no, no cost and you can actually see each other appointments because again they have children and so for them they don't want to be overlapping on the jobs around school hours so they can work the same hours um, at some point but then there are times where one or the other needs to be available for phone calls from clients or they need to um, have someone to go pick up the kids so like you say some sort of system um, is fine but particularly as your business grows is going to be harder to track things and I like what you're saying there as well Katie if, if you're tracking the work and Roland's getting on with it it gives you visibility so you don't have to sort of micromanage him you can just see where things are progressing and then you could just ask if you need the yeah. detail um, or get your, your yeah. catch up when you're walking the dog so it's nice to have that visibility and transparency it just makes things a lot easier I think but I mean Katie despite all of that I mean you can contract everything up front 
but when you get into it you know things don't always pan out the same way and there um there, there will be bumps in the road or, or challenges that arise as you get into things so what are some of the ways that you might suggest dealing with the, the problems that come up i think the most important one is communication and you know don't let things build up don't sort of seethe silently and go down the passive aggressive route actually have those conversations early and often it did take me and Roland a little bit of time to get into the groove of working together. You know, there was the various conversations that we had to have around, okay, if I believe strongly about something, I, I'm still gonna keep an open mind about the fact that it could be, <laughs> it, could, it could be wrong <laughs> and like things like that. And just knowing, I think, you know, knowing your personality types and it's not something that we did, but you know, like Myers-Briggs and things like that, identifying, how you are and how you work and how you prefer to communicate could be a really valuable yeah. exercise to do. I've done, I've done that with I've done that with people who are in business together. I have actually used a personality tool and it's brilliant, you know. Yeah. And, and I think what's quite nice is quite often when people work together, they have complementary skill sets, which is lovely. You know, there's normally one really organised, detailed one, and there's one more outgoing sort of. Well, well, yeah, there's normally one that's a bit more outgoing, likes to chat to people, a bit more laid back. And you know, it, I think it, it, like you say, Katie, worth doing. You can do some basic ones online or find a coach who will do one for you. Yeah, there's one called Sixteen Personalities is it just.com I think that's free to get your basic overview yeah of. and it's not it's not really the the tool either you know it's just that basis for conversation some people are very detail orientated some people are much more ideas and associations some people are very you know t- in terms of how people use time some people need milestones or deadlines other people need the rush of the deadline to get going some people love speaking with people some people like you say Roland likes to get his head down and crack on with his work whereas you'd, you'd be happy to chat so I just think yeah some of these um, some people are very task focused some period people are in say it's like you say Katie establishing that early doors I think um, and understanding that uh, like you say you thought maybe Roland was being a bit cold maybe he thought he was being quite factual and really efficient and to the point whereas some people need a lot more chat around it so I think it's just understanding that what communication means to you is not necessarily what it means to the other person I guess yeah I think it can be really helpful if, if you can kind of go oh okay this is why they're like this and this is what they need from me rather than going yeah. oh they hate me or why are they being so grumpy or like oh they're being grumpy because you've tried to make them do a really like strongly extrovert task when they're a massive introvert or and just actually going okay yeah this is what they their needs are how can I how as, as someone who also has needs how can we meet in the middle and make sure each other's needs are being met so I think that's one thing to bear in mind is yeah kind of do you both feel like it's a fair partnership and having that conversation say, you know, what, what, if it needs to be equal, maybe it doesn't need to be equal. Maybe one person is taking on a larger workload and that's fine as well. But just understanding, like making someone feel heard is so important in a partnership and like listening to their concerns, validating their feelings, you know, not just kind of dismissing them like, oh no, that's a stupid idea. Going, oh, okay, yeah, I hadn't actually thought about it. It's not something that I think is a particular problem, but tell me more about why you think it's a problem and what you think we should do about it. And just actually to kind of 
making it less personal and making it more about yeah and you mentioned communicating early as well katie and i think that's a it's a good rule of general good rule of thumb but i think it really works when you're working with someone close to you you can't let things fester so i don't know i'd I'd be interested to know your thoughts on this i feel like there's almost a balance like normally in the workplace i'd say tackle any potential conflict or any potential issues early and just be open and adult and honest but i can also imagine if you're working with a loved one there's a real sort of balance between knowing the small stuff just to let it go because realistically you can't pick up every little thing and then knowing what the quality problems where maybe yeah you do need to have that conversation earlier rather than later i think if the small problems add up to a big problem then it's worth talking about if it's one-off things then like you say you can just bite your tongue and let it go and actually that's where having that existing relationship can probably quite helpful because okay you might not have come up against this exact scenario in your friendship or in your family life before that but you can probably go actually yeah this person has never been very good with deadlines and I understand that about them so here's what we're going to do to deal with it so that I don't get annoyed and like there's probably things you can you know if you've got tools that help you manage your relationship outside of work you might be able to bring them into your work relationship as well so that's where the crossover can actually be helpful it's yeah can save your energy for kind of campaigning about what yeah, most pick, pick, pick your battles. <laughs> I say campaigning, that's probably a terrible I don't even word lobbying. <laughs> that is how I feel though. I'm just like fighting the corner uh, of the design. Advocating. Yeah, <laughs> like, I think it's, I think it's a, valid, a valid point. Yeah. I think you've got to pick your battles uh, a little bit. Uh, and again, you don't have to attend every argument you're invited to. And um, I think, Katie, there's also, there's a real... Um, sort of value to working to strengths and like you say know what those are and again there's a bit of a balance there between um not saying oh that's not my strength so i'm not going to do it i think there will be some uh, tasks that fall fall between the cracks and then between you're going to have to pick them up regardless but there is something like you say to allocating roles and, and and work out what people's strengths are and the more you can get people to work to their preferences or abilities the easier it's it's going to be but i guess the challenge is there don't don't double up again i was speaking to people this week and they were saying that you know they can help each other out with their roles within the business but there's no point both of them doing the same thing so rather than both showing up just let the other person who's stronger get on with it and then you can go give your energy to something else as well yeah, yeah exactly so they with our we have like a one of the you know like a website chat widget type thing where customers can um chat with us with like help and support questions so I've got an account on that, but I just jump in occasionally in, in, if Roland is away, or again, if he was incapacitated, I have access, I can jump on, I can answer the questions. And we've got our customer support person who's based in um, in Canada on the West Coast to have that kind of time zone covered. And so I we originally, both Roland and I were answering chat questions. He was doing more of them, but I was jumping in and answering some of them. But what I found is he's just got so much more of an in-depth knowledge about the about how it works and it's maybe kind of 75 percent of the questions are to do with something technical that he's the one who answer so all i was doing was just kind of you know going okay that's not that's not something i can answer that's not something i can answer that's not something i can answer so actually now we've got this other support person i pretty much step back from that completely because she can manage expectations and hand things over to roland for technical questions and she's been writing some like support documentation and stuff. And I'd, you know, I'd, t- I'd taken the time to write some original documentation so that she can refer back to that. She's adding to that. So yeah, it's just about kind of, and, and I, I think at first I was a bit like, oh, I don't feel part of the business because I'm not doing the chat support. But I was like, no, I don't need to. I, I know I'm still part of it. I know I still contribute. And there'll be times when Roland says, oh, I'm just stuck on this thing. What should I do? And like this morning he said, oh, you know, we've got a customer who's asking about this thing. 
uh, what do you think we should do about it? And so I still feel involved and consulted in situations. I don't need to necessarily be like on the forefront of the yeah no it's about we're knowing your limitations as well as your strength and know when to step back and, yeah. and let go and, and let, just trust the other person and i think that can help as well and then katie you mentioned something interesting i mean you yeah. you said um that sometimes you're quite happy to talk about work stuff when you're when you're having your time together as a couple i know that not i've like i say i was uh, really funny i was chatting to to a couple this week um uh, i speak to julie and chris of odd job and sparkle i love their title because it, one one of them does cleaning the other one does odd jobs so uh they've got a great logo as well <laughs> and they're based they're based in norfolk and and they um were saying you know because they have children they're very conscious that it doesn't impact their children and so they have very clear boundaries and in fact when they went on holiday recently they they used to find that one of their sons for talking about Fortnite incessantly on holiday uh, he was always talking about his video games so the kid um he their son uh, kind of hit back and went right well i'm going to find you if you talk about work so julie never did tell me which of them owed them more <laughs> money but i thought that was a really great <laughs> that was quite a fun way of, um, of yeah just having boundaries around work and home so as a, as a couple they were having couple time and with the children they were having children time and they said you know yeah uh, Mondays they sit down and it's admin day and they might and what the odd evening they might sit down with a glass of wine when the kids are in bed but for the most part they do have quite clear boundaries whereas you don't I just wanted to yeah any any advice on that one because I think you do need a bit of both don't you well to be fair yeah in the in a kind of holiday context there is a bit of a negotiation because like it's it's easier for me with my business to be able to kind of completely distance myself because I can say to my clients I'm not available by this time here's what I'm going to do before I go away here's what I'm going to do after I go away and I've only got you know I don't know between clients support and training people maybe there's 15 people that I need to email that might expect something from me over like a week or two. With Community Box, if there's a bug, it needs fixing. If there's a technical customer support question, that needs answering. And so it was a bit of a negotiation of when we were on holiday to say like, okay, how much time is going out and doing stuff? And how much time is actually sitting with laptops? And I don't mind going on and catching up with work stuff or doing something else on my computer, but it's kind of, I think again, it's that managing expectations. I think at first I was just like, oh, we're on holiday. We don't have to, you know, we don't have to even bring our laptops, but actually now we, we probably do. If it's a longer, if it's longer than just a long weekend, if it was a week, we probably do need to do that. And so like when we went to Portugal before, before COVID, we both brought our laptops and most of the time we were off doing surfing and water sports and eating and walking around. But then we'd come back, uh, so either in the mornings, maybe when I was having a shower, he'd do some work. We'd come back and maybe have a little glass of wine or something. And then, you know, in that sort of time between when you come back and you go to dinner, like we'd maybe do a couple of hours of work there, but we'd sit out on the veranda in the hotel we were staying at and look out of the sea. And we did once work in our robes with our laptops and stuff. So it still felt like a treat and it still felt nice. So it's kind of like if you, if it has, if it does intrude on to kind of family time, how can you do it in a way that doesn't feel like it's horrible and an obligation and work yeah. and blah. I, I, Joe, the other thing Julie and Chris were saying, uh, they thought as a couple it was really important to have fun. So it's very important that individually they can do it. So Chris goes off and plays golf from time to time. I think it's also a great networking opportunity. He can, he can market his business there, but mostly he's doing fun stuff. Uh, but actually as a couple, you know, going out for lunch together as well. And I suppose we do wear different hats, don't they? So if you are with a family member or you are with your partner, you've got to have space to be partners and have fun 
uh, and a bit, having a business can be stressful but you do need to have that fun time I think as well yeah like we've gone down to London together for a work trip where we went to like a, a work uh, there's like a business conference thing that we went to and we we have a Christmas do every year where we go out together but as like the, the work Christmas do so just the two of us but we'll go for a nice meal out and we'll talk about what our plans are for the coming year and things like that and actually I think linked to that it's really important just to celebrate anything that goes well with the business and I think that can help to resolve a lot of problems as well if you actually take the time to kind of go oh you know we got this new customer today and that was like that was down to our hard work or oh we've had our best ever month this month let's you know just have a, like a glass of fizz to celebrate or something and I think when you see the successes or even just acknowledging each other of like oh here's what you know I was really you know I was really impressed with how you did that thing today and making sure that you do celebrate each other's successes in the business I think that can boost morale a lot and stave off a lot of problems if people are starting to feel a bit you know undervalued or anything if you show that you're noticing what they're bringing definitely if you worked in a business you were managing other people where part of your job would be to recognize and motivate and I think you've got you've got to have take responsibility for doing that to each other too and I suppose Katie there is the question of what happens if there is actual out and out conflict I mean um you know you, you sometimes you will just fundamentally disagree or the other person may well actually just really annoy you I mean you've probably got some really good tools to help with this as well I don't think we've ever got to that really bad point of like you know we can't can't speak to each other there was one I mean I I know that when when we were doing some work for one of the clients I was sort of very protective of the client so I'd be sort of going like oh well like are we working on this is this happening Uh, like kind of trying to make sure that like I was almost protecting myself from the client because we already had a relationship so I was a bit like oh okay I need to kind of make sure that we're doing a really good job for this client but I think it came across for all I was just being like like overly obsessive about the work in a way that I wasn't about other things so I think that's the closest we've come to having like a proper conflict was just like me kind of insisting on doing that client's work over everything else whereas he was like but we've got so many other things to do as well we can't I can't just focus all my time on this client so how did you deal with it that did someone just bring it up yeah yeah I think we'd, we'd sort of there was a couple of like red flags that we probably could have identified earlier but ultimately then we just had a big conversation about it I think I got a bit upset and and we just talked about it and I said look this is why I'm concerned and I just want to feel like I know it's not the only priority but I want to feel like it is a priority for you and it's not just something you're leaving till last because it's the least fun thing to work on and he's like okay yeah maybe there is a part of me that is wanting to avoid doing the project and I was like yeah and there's a part of me that's being a bit unreasonable about it and so we just acknowledged where both of us were coming from both were very open about the fact that like yeah maybe there was a part of us that was a bit in the wrong um and just then tried to you know if that if that feeling came up again we could go we could kind of bring it back to that initial conversation and say okay I think we're maybe kind of slipping back into these mindsets let's let's kind of chat about it before it gets yeah before it gets dicey yeah but no we don't really have like conflict conflict I mean if we, if I'm you know if I feel very strongly about a design thing then I'll kind of set out my case and sort of I guess for me it's it's about saying I think this is something I've taken from the place I worked before I was self-employed is rather than arguing about the what like look at how can we actually have the best of both worlds or how can we make it happen like my old my old boss was like very um 
very kind of determined around like even though it shouldn't be possible it it maybe there's a way of making it work and that's kind of how I am as well and so I think I'm just like oh well let's look at a way we can have the design changes and this code working like is there a way we can do this like maybe there's maybe I can simplify the design so that it's easier to find time to work on it you can focus on the problem how you got there why it arose what happened but actually like you're quite right Katie it can help the relationship to say look well we are where we are so actually how do we move forward from here and and that's where we said going back to the beginning working out what you contracted what you agreed your priorities were can make it easier I, I think there's a couple of tips for conflict I do think we've discussed this in a previous episode handling conflicts before but basically I think there's two things that pop to mind immediately what one is one of the things you said katie is a bit of empathy and understanding the emotional need for the person so you weren't trying to be a pain you know you had a relationship that you wanted to um protect and i'm sure that if roland understood that and therefore was able to give you what you needed he also had to balance competing priorities and i think if you empathize with that clearly you understood that he had a lot on his mind too so i think putting yourself in the other person's shoes helps but the other thing is yeah if you can take the the personal aspect out of it um you know a feedback model that's quite common for people is to to is just to say to the person when you're giving feedback just to give the situation so say you know when when this happened or when we dealt with this customer or when we did this piece of work then you say the action you took so you did this or that I, I observed that this this and this happened then you explain the impact so the impact on that me was that I felt like I was sidelined or I felt that we didn't give a good service and then to say what you want to happen in future so just really clear about the context what you saw the impact it had on you and what you would like to be different so it's nice and objective it's never accusatory it gives somebody something tangible they can work on and then they can do the same for you so make sure you acknowledge their position as well as advocating for your own and I think if you can do it in terms of observable behaviors and impacts it becomes less about you know oh you didn't pull your weight you didn't do that or oh you've you've left me out of this decision it's it's a bit more objective and I think if you could do that it definitely helps the relationship yeah that's true actually and one of the things that kind of linked to that we try and do is we try never to blame each other for anything especially me to him because he does spend he is full time on the business and I just dip, dip in and out of it you know there's things where both of us have you know not understood how it worked to be a limited company so missed a filing deadline for something or you know he's done something in the code that's led to something not quite working and like but we just try not to blame each other because I think we both recognize that it could easily have been the other person that made that mistake in the same situation so you know then the person's generally already feeling really bad if they've made a mistake and so we you know we both try to kind of reassure the other one rather than blaming them for something I think one thing that we've also done is a risk assessment and so identifying kind of what what could go wrong and what the severity of it you know the likelihood of it going wrong versus the severity of it if it did go wrong so that we tried to identify okay if this happened what you know what we're going to do to mitigate it and if this happened what would we do and that's really helped as well because I know one thing I was really concerned about very early on was making sure that we had you know the kind of security and everything so that was something we worked on very near the beginning because I was like I will be really upset if if we get hacked and you know people's security details get shared like I'm going to be really upset about that and so I would you know that you know that would be something where I'd be kind of checking in to say right how are we doing with that like that's probably the only kind of code related things I ever really asked about was like the security side of things because I knew that if that happened 
and I'd mentioned it and it hadn't got done, that then that would make it harder not to kind of apportion blame. So it's kind of like, if if it's something where you'd really struggle not to blame the other person, how can you make sure that it happens so that it doesn't, that situation just doesn't arise yeah, in the first place? Yeah, I think that's a good place. point, Katie. Not, not blaming someone, but also accepting that you both have 100% responsibility for the whole business, even if what is happening is not your particular mm. role within the business. You're still responsible yeah. for making sure you understand it, you know, where things are, even if you're, you have the accountability together, even if you both don't share the same responsibilities, I suppose, is a way of putting it. Yeah, that's yeah. a really good way of saying it, yeah. So Katie, any, any other final tips? I think just, yeah, keep keep communicating, keep having an open mind. Don't bring too much of your own baggage. Acknowledge it if you are doing that. Because, yeah, if you're, you are a partnership, you've got your own agendas, probably do that. I mean, I know we always try and say at the end of each episode, what's our one one top tip or one takeaway that we'd have for dealing with this problem? So, Michelle, what would your, your one tip be if... I feel like communication is an obvious one, so I'll go for a different one, which is, you know, we said contracts at the beginning and just talk, like you say, you, you, great tip from you, Katie, you mentioned like talking about your values, talking about your business, you know, what your priorities are. And I would suggest not only doing that, but make sure you review them maybe quarterly or at least six monthly or annually and keep reiterating. That's the thing, isn't it? You, you have a plan, you, you carry it out, then you reflect on it and then you just keep checking in. So I think that would, that contracting and revisiting would probably be the thing for me, Katie. What about you? I think probably similarly, it would be just setting really clear scope and boundaries beforehand. If that's too similar for, to yours, then I'd say yeah. um, empathy and communication. Just try and put yourself in their shoes, see where they're coming from, rather than just ju- jumping to a conclusion and reacting. Well, I, I like that one because I think I think you're quite right. Um, it might be easy to assume because you know the person well, you can tell them to, to sod off or you could uh, go, oh, well, they know I don't mean it. But actually, if you wouldn't talk to a colleague in a formal business, you know, an employed business like that, you should, certainly shouldn't speak to your partner like that or your, your mum or your dad or whatever. So I think it's a good tip. Um, well, if you want to share any other tips with us or if there's any challenges that you'd like us to tackle on future episodes, you can find us at 99problemscast on Twitter. That's the number 99, problems, and then cast as in podcast and we'll see you next time for another episode of 99 problems but a boss ain't one